to this message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heartsease Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. God, tonight we pray that you would just touch us tonight. As we go through your word, God, just challenge us and and just change us. Do something inside of us tonight. God, that's what we ask. Do something inside of us tonight that will change us. God, just be with Will as he's away. And God, those of our families and friends who are out of town, working away, working, whatever it may be, God, just undertake and just provide. And God, may your blessing be upon us in every way we pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. I just want to share just something really quick tonight. And it's actually a question that I've asked people before in a message. But it was just really brought home again today. I received a newsletter today from Kingsley Armstrong in the Joshua Project. And in his newsletter was this thought again, and it came back to remembrance. And and I was challenged as I read it today, and I just want to challenge you with it today. I know it may sound very morbid at first, but it's not meant to be. But listen to me. I want to ask you all a question tonight, and that is this. How do you want to die? How do you want to die? Now, I'm not talking about in the sense of the events that surround our death, because none of us, I'm sure, want to plan or think of, well, I may die like this or that. But here's the thought I want to bring in, how do you want to die? Is How do you want to finish your life? How do you want to be remembered? What legacy do you want to leave? Listen to what it says of David in Acts 13 and verse 36. Acts 13 and verse 36 It says this, for David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell asleep. Let me read that one more time. Kind of cool, really, huh? Acts 13, 36, it said, for David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, he fell asleep. To me, as I read something like that, I think, what a great memorial for someone to stand up and say, he served his generation, he fulfilled the will of God, and God took him. To me, that's a testimony of someone who has fulfilled the purpose of God for their life. What an incredible testimony that we can fulfill, that he accomplished his purpose. Hebrews 9 verse 27 tells us this, And it is appointed for men to die once, but after this... The judgment. New Living Translation says, It is destined that each person will die. It's destined that we're going to die. One day. And God forbid it's soon, because I believe we've got a purpose still to do on this earth. But it's going to happen and we cannot change the fact. And the Bible even tells us there's an appointed time. But what is the thought? What am I doing with my life? 
We just celebrated Easter, an incredible celebration of a life that was given. Jesus came and he lived and he died and he gave his life for us. He died and made a way for us to receive life. Because of his death, we're forgiven. Because of his death, we have acceptance. Because of his death, we have hope. Because of his death and resurrection, we have grace. He died. He gave up his life. But how did he give his life? He gave up his life, giving everything for every one of us. He had given everything when he cried out, it is finished. Listen to me, Jesus lived full, but he died empty. He lived life to the fullest, but yet he died empty. And he died how every one of us should be. If you've got your Bibles tonight, just two simple little verses tonight. Two simple verses. In fact, two verses are going to tell a whole story. Some of you may have heard of this story before. Probably a lot of you haven't. Or if you have, you've just kind of read over it and haven't really paid attention to it. But here's a two-verse story tonight from 2 Kings chapter 13 and verse 20 and 21. 2 Kings 13 verse 20 and 21. One. Are you with me? Here we go. Then Elisha died. He was the predecessor to Elijah, the one who was asked for a double portion. Okay, so then it says, Then Elisha died, and they buried him. And the raiding bands from Moab invaded the land in the spring of the year. So it was, as they were burying a man. Notice there is not even a name that is given to this man. And when a name is not given, it usually is symbolic of someone who is insignificant. So think about this. Someone insignificant is being buried. So there's got to be some kind of significance here that we must see. And so it was as they were burying the man that suddenly they spied a band of raiders and they put the man in the tomb of Elisha. And when the man was let down and touched the bones of Elisha. I like how another translation says, I mean, come on, picture this. You are burying someone. You see the enemy coming. Are you going to let someone down into a cave? Come on, one translation says they threw his body and ran. How many thinks that would be kind of your translation right there? They chucked him in and they ran. And listen to this. And he revived... And stood on his feet. Cool little story. Two verse story that you can so easily miss. But I want you to picture the moment. Okay, Billy's dead. We're just going to call him Billy. Is that all right? He doesn't have a name, but Billy has snuffed it. He's dead. He's gone. We don't know what's happened. But they're having a little funeral service. Ashes to ashes. They're looking. They're digging a hole. And all of a sudden, the enemy's coming. Watch out. We don't have time to finish it. What are we going to do? Oh, there's a cave over there. Let's just throw Billy in the cave. And then they took off running. Everyone picture in this story. So as they're running away, Billy's in the cave. All of a sudden, they hear another set of footprints behind them. And they turn around and Billy is running behind them. That's what the Bible says. 
that when his body touched the bones of Elisha, he came back to life and he took after them and ran after them. Can you imagine being there that day? I mean, what? I mean, come on, what? Come on, how many would say that would have been a crazy day? Come on, a crazy day. So what significance does it have? An insignificant person that is recorded in the Word of God. I believe the significance is for us today, for our application, what you and I need to see. And I just want to show you quickly what I believe the significance is of this two-verse story. We're not going to turn there tonight, but if you look at chapter 2 of 2 Kings, the Bible speaks that Elijah is going to be taken. He's the prophet of God. He's the mouthpiece of God. He's going to be taken up. He tells Elisha, today I'm going to be gone. Why not stay here? And Elijah says, no, I'm coming with you. They go to another town. He says, stay here. And Elisha says, no, I'm coming with you. He goes on and on and on till finally Elijah looks at Elisha and says, for goodness sake, you're driving me crazy. What can I do for you? Here's what he says in 2 Kings 2 verse 9. Don't turn there, just listen, because I want you to hear this. And so it was when they had crossed over the Jordan, incidentally on dry ground, because Elijah took his mantle, struck the water, and it opened up, and they walked through. And when they had crossed over, that Elijah said to Elisha, for goodness sake, ask, what may I do for you before I'm taken away from you? And Elisha looked at him and said, plain and simply, here's what I want. I want to be twice the man you were. What do you mean? He says, I want a double portion. Whatever God's done through your life, I want a double portion. Man, I feel that tonight. He said, I want a double portion of what God has done through you. I want it to do for me. And the Bible says that Elijah looked at him and said, I tell you what, it will happen if you see me go. And he saw him go. And God gave him a double portion Of his anointing. We haven't got time to go into it today, but if you were to look at the records of what Elijah did, the miracles that he did, that Elisha doubled that. That whatever miracles he did, Elisha doubled that. Why? Because when God says he's going to give you something double, come on, how many knows? But can you understand this? And here's where you've got to catch that when he died, Elisha was minus one. Say that with me, minus one. He was still one miracle shy of a double portion of what Elijah did. When Elisha died, he died minus one. What do you mean, Pastor P? When he died, he still had some gas left in his tank. When he died, he didn't die completely. Incomplete. Or he didn't die complete. There was still something incompleted in his life. When we look at the story of Elisha, there's no way that we could look and say Elisha didn't live full because he did. He did incredible things. He lived life to the max. But when he died, there was still unspent power that was inside of him that when a dead man touched his bones. That man came back to life. I want you to hear me today. It wasn't because he wasn't great or because he didn't accomplish great things because we know Elisha did. He was definitely not a failure in any way. 
But there was a failure to give it all out and die empty. Listen to me, you can't take anything with you. You and I can't take... What are you trying to tell us, Pastor Pete? I'm trying to challenge us tonight. Is how do we want to die? Because there's so many people. If you want to look at the place with the most... With the most um, how can we say it? Just the place of greatest talent and greatest achievements and all these things that have never been fully accomplished. Go to the graveyard. How many dreams are there still that have never been lived? How many great inventions and everything, just wasted life that never lived life and never got everything out. And you and I can't take anything with it. And the challenge I want you to live is every day we need to live like it's our last. Don't expect that we're maybe going to see that person again tomorrow. Today we've got to reach out to them. Don't die full, die empty. Die given everything to God. I always remember this, and I've shared this story so many times. My grandfather is from Scotland, and he was in, in a bakery one morning. He'd go every morning and get what they call morning rolls, and, and he would take them home, hot morning rolls. They were absolutely incredible. And he would get them, and he was in the baker's, and this very affluent guy in their city had died. And the baker and others in there were discussing about all the wealth and they were asking, how much money do you think he had? And there was a debate. So when my grandfather came up, he was one of the best friends of this guy who died. And my grandfather was a successful businessman and all that. So the man, the baker, looked at my grandfather and said, you know, such and such died. And my grandfather said, yes. And he said to my grandfather, he says, how much do you think he left? And my grandfather looked at him and he said, he left everything. You can't take anything with you. He left everything. What God has given you, He has given you to spend here on earth. Come on, you ain't going to need it in heaven. Come on, you're not going to need it. Come on, you can't take it with you. Heaven doesn't need it. Neither does God want it back. But I'm telling you right now, the people you work with every day need it. The people down your street need it. The lady at the grocery store who checks you out, she needs it. The hurting, the wounded, perhaps someone around you tonight in church needs it. But what do we do? We live such a self-centered life that it's all about me. Stuff my face. Let me get as much as I can, spiritually speaking. When we come on a Sunday, it's like we're coming to what a, the, a line of food. You know, we're coming to the buffet and we're just stuffing our faces. For what reason? Just to stuff ourselves. Just to stuff ourselves. If you notice on top of the door when you go out, now it's my time. My, it's t- my time for what? My time to give out what God has given me in here. It's not just about me. Come on, we're saved. God will, and everyone in the house is saved. If we were to die, God forbid, tonight we're going to make it. But there's a lot of people out there who are not. That God has placed us strategically in their path. But what do we do? We just want to live full. But too many of us are going to die full too. Instead of dying empty. So many people are full of regrets. If only I'd done more. If only I'd given more. If only I'd been there. Listen, we can't go backwards, but we can live forwards. Come on, it's time that we start living. 
Come on, we all need to be identifying. We all need to be equipping. We all need to be releasing others to go to heights and places that we never even thought possible. God has challenged me with this. And when my dad comes over, my mum, and they work with us here in the church, one of the things I want them to do is really raise up the next generation and help us build people and invest in their lives. So what? So we don't take anything with us, but we pass it on to the next generation. I want my kids to be more successful than I am. I want Luke, if, God, if it's God's will for him to take over the church, and that's what God wants for his life. If it's not, I don't want him to do it. But if that's what God wants, I want him to be much more successful than I ever will be in my life. I want to hand on things to him, not keep it to myself. We're in a relay race, not a sprint. You know what a sprint is? It's about you against everyone else. But a relay race says, I need you, Dustin. Dustin then says, I need you, Lakin. Lakin then says, I need you, Rebecca. Rebecca then says, I need you, Leola. And so on. Yes, you've got to sprint and do your part, but guess what? When it's time to hand over, come on, you've got to release it and let it go. You see, we're living life like it's all about me. I want the prize. I want this. But listen, it's a team effort. We've got to pass it on to other people. We've got to play our part, but pass it on. Listen to what it says in Hebrews 11, verse 21. Hebrews eleven twenty-one says this, By faith Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each one of the sons of Joseph, and he worshipped, what does it say? Leaning on the top of his staff. I've used this analogy before. But the man of God in the Bible times would carry a staff around. And every time he had an encounter with God, he would take a knife and he would chisel or whittle into that staff what had happened as a result. So what would happen is at first he would hold the staff at the bottom. For what reason? But every time God had an encounter with him, he would hold it at that last place. And what did we just read right then? That who? Jacob worshipped God. Leaning on the top of his staff. What does that mean? He was leaning the last place. He had lived his life to the fullest. He had lived his life out to the absolute fullest. And now he was worshipping God from a place that he could look back over his life. And see that he had been faithful in everything that God had done. He had said, I've come to the end of my life. I'm now ready to die because I'm going to die empty. Jensen Franklin, I love Jensen Franklin, a preacher. He said this statement and I wrote it down once. He said, are you passing on iniquity or equity to your children? Are you passing on iniquity or are you passing on equity to your children? As I get ready to close tonight in the Gospels, I think it's recorded in all four Gospels, but in the one particular one I'm looking at tonight, and you don't have to turn there, but just write it down and read it later. It's from Matthew 25, verse 14 through 30. In the Gospels, it's recorded about a master who was going on a journey, and he called three of his servants before him. And the Bible says that the servants that came before him had different talents, and they had different abilities, meaning they weren't the same. 
There was one that was maybe better than the other. In fact, there was. There was one who was better than the other because the Bible says that he gave to each one according to his ability. So to the one that was the best, he gave more. And to the one who was the least, he gave the least. But then the Bible says he went away and then one day he came back and he demanded from them. You know what's happened today in society? We've forgotten the true meaning of stories like this because you know what? We've made stories about the fact that I'm better than everyone else, so I got more. That isn't what this story is all about. What this story is all about is how much are you investing and giving and using? It's not, well, they've got more than me. That's not what the idea of the story is about. The idea is everyone was given according to his ability. You may not be anointed to stand up and lead praise and worship. And if you can't thank God, please don't try. (laughs) You may feel that the talents and the giftings that you've got are nothing. Can I tell you right now that David served his generation. God doesn't make no mistakes. He gave that to you. And you know what? It's not a question for you to look and say, well, I'm not as good as them. The question is this, what am I doing with what God has given to me? How am I going to die? What am I going to do? Because a hole won't cut it. One servant dug a hole because he was worried and he buried it. And when he came back with the stuff, he gave it to the master and he felt big and bad about it. He thought, man, good, the master's going to be pleased with me. And what did the master say? Get out, you wicked and perverse. And what did he do? He took that one that he had and he gave it to the one who invested and used it and put it to work. Have you ever asked yourself, I have, have you ever asked yourself the question of what perhaps your life could really achieve? Have you ever really asked yourself, what could I do? David one day I'm sure he had a conversation with God and he came to this conclusion. He says, God, you know, with you I could run through a troop and I could jump over a wall. Then all of a sudden he realizes that with one I can put a thousand to flight or however many it is. With two I can put... You would think one a thousand, two, two thousand, but he says one a thousand, two, ten thousand. See what can happen when we use what God has given us. Have you ever asked yourself, what's locked up in the church? Look around us tonight. You know how much power we've got in this room tonight? We've got enough power in this room to turn our city upside down for God. And you know where it starts? In our own homes, in our own families, in our own workplaces. We've got enough power inside of us, but what? We're not living to that potential. We're not recognizing that. We're not releasing that. We're keeping it to ourselves. We're allowing the enemy to beat us up and say, you have nothing. Just dig a hole and bury it. It's not about how much you've got. It's about what you're doing with what you do have. There are too many people's miracles on hold because they are stuck in a storage container called the church. I'm going to say that one more time. There are too many people's miracles on hold because they are stuck in a storage container called the church. Now I know if you were to read that story of Elisha. Elisha went to King Joash. 
And he tried to give him his mantle, so to speak. He tried to hand it on, but King Joash, he didn't accept it, or he really didn't meet the requirements of it. You know, there's going to be people that we come in contact with that don't want to receive the gift of life. But what do we do? We move on to the next. Keep praying, but we move on to the next. And we move on, and we move on. Our whole lives must be driven by the one. If you're taking notes tonight, write that down. My life must be driven by the one. Going after that one. Tommy Barnett, an incredible man of God. He's got a church in Phoenix, Arizona. His son has the Dream Center in L.A., Matthew Barnett, an incredible man. And every time you hear him preach, he'll stand up and say these same words in a message. He'll say, I know God sent me here to touch the one. He says, I don't know if I've touched the one yet. Maybe the one is here tonight. But all I know is this, God has called me to touch the one and until I die, I'm going to go after that one. Maybe you're here tonight, maybe you're not, he says. But I'm going to go after the one. Come on, we've got to be driven by the one. Please, 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 don't die full. Don't die full. Don't die full. Every time you leave this place, look up. Now it's my time. It's my time to go out and touch people. It's my time to give them what I've received. Listen to me. I'm going to say this and then we're going to close. Church is not a buffet for the saints. Church is a place where you can come and sharpen your sword. Because there's a battle out there. There's people to be won. It's not all about me. It's a place where I come and sharpen my sword so I can go out there and I can be what God has called me to be. Come on, how do you want to die? How do you want to die? I'll tell you one thing. I don't want no one to lie at my funeral. There's a lot of people lie at funerals. Stand up and say he was a great person. No, he wasn't. And everyone in the place knows that. I'm telling you, I'm determined to live in such a way that not one person's going to have to lie. God forbid if... My time happens before God comes back. But I'm telling you right now, this is what I believe. I'm not putting a date on it, but I'm telling you right now. I don't believe there's anyone in this place age-wise that is going to die before God comes back. I believe it's that close. I really do. I believe it's that close. People have been saying maybe for years it's close, but come on, the signs of the times, I'm telling you, it's close. It's close. But shall I tell you how close it is? You're not promised tomorrow. The Bible says you're not promised tomorrow. So what does it do? I've got to make today count. Every circumstance and situation and person I come in contact with, make it count. Because don't die full. Come on. How many are ready to die empty? Come on. If you're ready to die empty, would you stand to your feet? We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At Heartseas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.